Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Carols is a series where we're going to take three Christmas carols, very famous ones, and each week I'm going to teach from one of the carols, and I'm just going to open up a part of it that will change your opinion of that carol for the rest of your life, and we're going to just have an incredible time as we do it. Today, John Francis Wade, he wrote the Christmas carol, O Come, All Ye Faithful, and we're going to teach out of that. And Before we do, I want you to enjoy this rendition of the song.
Incredible. You know, um, you may not know this about me, but part-time, um, I'm a choir director, and, and I, I do a community <laughs> choir. That's my choir. And so I was behind the camera directing. That's how I lost my voice and, and everything. <laughs> a lot of people ask me where they can find these songs. I'll give you a link next week on, and, and, and on iTunes so you can, you can find them. I love this song. Here's the phrase we want to talk about. Uh, it, it's real, real beautiful. It, it goes like this. Oh, come, all you faithful, joyful, and triumphant. And we want to talk about faithful, joyful, and triumphant today. And I know myself, there are times in my Christian life and walk where I feel anything but faithful, joyful, or triumphant. And yet, when this song was written, he's calling Christians faithful, joyful, and triumphant. And it's like, that, are you sure that's us? And, and it is. It is. And one thing we're going to find out today is it's biblical. The Bible calls you faithful, joyful, and triumphant. So we're going to have a great time as we open this up today and begin to look at it. And here's the first thing I want to emphasize. Jesus helps us walk more faithfully. And I just want to talk about that because I've had some faith failures, faithfulness failures in my life over the years. And I remember a time uh, today in worship, my daughter Michelle was standing right here. She was singing. She was the girl singing here. When she was a toddler, she became very sick and her temperature was uh, very, very elevated. We brought her to the emergency room and uh, they immediately had her admitted into the hospital. So now Gina and I, I don't know, one, two in the morning, we're in a hospital room with our, our, our toddler, uh, Michelle, and I'm holding her and I'm having this episode. There's an episode going on and I'm consuming Gina, myself, and I'm just holding Michelle in my arm and I'm like saying to God, how could you let this happen? This is my, my, you know, my first daughter and Lord, how can my little daughter be this sick? And I'm worried about her and I'm saying, Lord, why didn't you answer my prayers? And I'm talking to Gina, what do you think's going on? Why isn't God answering our prayers? And, and I'm just being faithless, unfaithful as can be. And it's going on and Michelle's just in my arms. Pretty soon, here's what she does. She reaches around and pats herself on the back. She says, don't worry, you'll be okay, little baby. And she starts to comfort herself. And Gina and I are like, are we bad parents or what? I'm not even, we're not, she should be cuddled and comforted. And I'm worried about my prayer life and where's God and what's going on. And I'm not going to get any sleep tonight. And she's like comforting herself. And at that point, I realized, man, I was an unfaithful parent. And I'm unfaithful in my attitude with God. And I think all of us at one time or another have had some times in our life that were that way. And here's the first thought that I think we always need to remind ourselves of. And it goes like this. Jesus is faithful even when we're not. And I am so thankful for this. And if you don't know this yet, I want to make sure you walk out of here understanding this incredible truth. Here's the scripture. 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. Here's the verse I'm after. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And I know there's a few of you in here today, you're like me. When you see a scripture like verse 
12, the latter part. If we disown him, he'll disown us. It's like, I got to know what that means. What does that mean? And if you've ever heard anybody talk about eternal security and, you know, can I lose my salvation? There's some Christians that worry about this all the time. And, and, and I just want to help you out. When I was in Bible school, I had these great teachers. But in my opinion, the teacher that taught me the most during those Bible school years was the pastor at the local church I went to. And I remember him teaching on this verse and getting onto this subject. I didn't even have to write it down. I'll never forget ever what he said. And he talked about this phrase, if we disown him, he'll disown us. And, you know, everybody's worried about losing their salvation at that point. And here's what he said. In order to become a Christian, you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's how we, we have to believe it and confess it, call on his name. And he said, in order for you to walk away from God or to lose your salvation, you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is not Lord. It's not just a mistake you make up here or an act of unfaithfulness. It's a heart issue. You come in with your heart. The only way to go out is with your heart. And that's really hard to do. You'd have to walk in darkness and have your heart become hard and, 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 and begin to just walk away from God before you would ever do something like that. So I say that just to help us out. But now take a look at verse 13 again. This is the part that makes me smile. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Check this out. He cannot disown himself. I like that. How many times have you and I failed? How many times have we failed over and over and we think God's done with us, God doesn't want anything else to do with us, and here's what God's saying. I don't care how unfaithful you are, if you believe in me, you're mine. I'll never let you go. I'll always be faithful to you. And that's incredible. You know why? Because that gives me the heart and the understanding that God's holding on to me. I can make it. I can become faithful in any area where I'm not faithful. I can grow. And that's important for you and I to understand. Here's something else that will really help you in this area. And it goes like this. Your very nature is faithful. You're faithful by birth. Listen to this, Galatians 5, 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but guess what? You're created in His image and His likeness. That's the fruit of your new born-again insides when you accept Jesus. So you notice I underline joy because we're going to talk about that next. I want to be able to refer to this. But take a look at this. Your very nature is faithful. And if you struggle in the area of faithfulness, listen to me very carefully. You are not unfaithful. Your nature is faithful. You just have to reprogram your mind. You just have to see yourself for the way God created you because he's faithful. He'll never let you go. And guess what? Your very nature, your very makeup is faithful. And all of us have the ability to walk faithfully, follow God. And I like this, be faithful in every single area of our life. And here, here's the third point that I think is absolutely incredible. Jesus perfects us, our uh, faithfulness. He actually perfects it when we follow him. And I think that's really, really important. We were in prayer yesterday. I have Saturday morning prayer at 9 a.m. And uh, we average about 
17 to 20 people that come out to pray with me on Saturday mornings. We always pray for you guys. So if you ever feel really good on Saturday about 10 o'clock, it's because we prayed for you, man. And uh, we really pray our hearts out for anybody that calls this church home. And so at the end of prayer, uh, one of the dear brothers that was there, uh, he was saying God showed him a revelation about his faithfulness to them, to him. And he said, you know, he showed me that in an area, I missed it 38 times, he said, and he showed me he still loves me and he's still growing me in that area. And there's a couple other guys, and I, we made eye contact when that was said. And, and here's what I said, that's all 38 times? That's all you got? I've, I've messed up in areas hundreds of times and had to keep getting up in that area. And we all laughed. We all said yes. And that's important for us to understand. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. He's going to keep perfecting us if we just keep following him. And here's a scripture that I love. I love this scripture. If you're here and you've failed, you're failing in a relationship, you're failing in, in any area of your life, you're struggling with a job, whatever it is, I want you to be encouraged that God's going to grow you if you just keep following him. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked for, out for us. Translated, let's follow Jesus with abandonment. Let's just get rid of anything that stops us. Let's follow him. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, and I love this, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Faith comes from him and he grows our faith. And no matter who you are right now, one of the things I want you to walk out of here today always remembering is this incredible truth that no matter how many times you've fallen, you can get up every single time and you can grow because Jesus is working on your faith. And I want everybody to walk out of here with hope. How about joy? Let's talk about joy for a minute. Jesus helps us walk more joyfully. I'm so glad he does. Uh, here, here's number one. Remember your very nature is joy. So you are joy. You have it in you. It's inside. You can release it. Here's, here's number two. Happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Jesus. Listen to this. All of us Browns fans, we understand this. We are so strong in this area. This year, not, we don't have to use it as much. But can we all agree there's peaks and there's valleys in all of our lives, right? Don't we all have peaks and valleys? And you know, when, when you're at a peak, when everything's going good, enjoy it. Be happy, happy, happy. Happiness comes from happenings, and that's okay. But can we all agree we'll have times in our life when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, when it's really it's a tough time. And you know, in the tough times, we can still have joy if we learn to pull that joy from Jesus. And here's why, you may think I'm joking, here's why I used the, the example as a Browns fan. Um, this year, again, not so much, but last year, the year before, the year before, we, those were rebuilding years for us. And as, as, we, uh, as we look at those years, Mondays were really tough on us. And you know what we learned to do? We built these muscles. We have spiritual muscles as Browns fans because we learned it's not whether our team wins or not. That doesn't matter joy comes from Jesus. And we have built these muscles to receive our joy from Jesus. And we're strong in that area. Some of you other, you know, Pittsburgh fans, you haven't built that muscle. So you're not, you're not where we're at yet, but who knows, maybe this year, you'll have to build that muscle this year too. Who knows? All right. I'd like to have fun. Philippians 4.4. 4. Here we go. Here's our scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
I will say it again. Rejoice. This is Paul. And in a little bit, a little further down in my lesson, I'm going to talk about his life. His life, you talk about someone that had a tough life. When Paul said this, he understood something. He understood that this life throws a lot of curves, has a lot of storms. But while we're going through the worst of times, we can look up or we could look into our Bible and we can rejoice over things that are eternal, that are solid, that never changes. Life changes, but there's other things that don't change. I bought some silver recently, not a lot of it, but I bought some silver. And after the first day of buying it, I showed Gina on my app. I go, we made 100 bucks today. Next day I said, we made 200 bucks today. And then the third day, guess what? We lost 500. And, uh, but, but I know it's going to go up because it's so low. And you'll have up and downs in life, won't you guys? But where does joy come from? It comes from Jesus. It comes from Jesus. Check this out. I'm going to sh share three things you can always rejoice over, no matter what's going on in any year of your life. Three things you can rejoice over. Here's number one. You, you're forgiven of everything. This is incredible. You're forgiven of everything. Tell you a story. I was raised Catholic, as most of you guys know, and I so appreciate all the foundational things I learned as a young Catholic. And we had to go to confession. And when you went to confession, you would go into the, the room. The priest would be on one side, you'd be on this side. There'd be something with a cloth separating you. And you would say your sins to the priest, and then he would say, I forgive you, and he'd pray over you. Then he'd give you penance, and, you know, he'd give you three Hail Marys, three Our Fathers. I used to get 20 Hail Marys, 20 Hail I don't know why. So, so when I was older in high school, the priest made a mistake, and I walked in one day, and I said, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. My last confession was whatever. My mom made us go once a month. And, uh, and, and he said, hi, Joe. And I'm like, you know it's me. And, and from that point on, I just, I, I start making, I start lying in confession because I didn't want to tell him the bad things I did because he knew it was me. But when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I was so sincere in confession. And I remember, I don't know, eight or nine, I went into confessional. And I told that priest every sin I ever committed. And I walked out of there, and I felt so good. It was like a weight was off my conscience. I felt so good. But I'll never forget, I had six brothers, so you know it's tough not to sin when you go home. And uh, all of a sudden I get home, I'm cussing at one of my brothers, I'm lying, I'm doing all this stuff I shouldn't do. And all of a sudden I felt so dirty again. And at that point, I began to think, what good is this? I'll never be good enough for God. I might as well just have a good time because I'm going to mess up every single time I go to confession. And then once I accepted Christ, I learned something, and that's what I want to talk, I want you to see right now. I learned that forgiveness is not a result of who I am. It's a result of what he did. Forgiveness comes because he died for all of our sins, every single sin. And that's what takes guilt off of my shoulders. If I sin, I say, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry I sinned. I make it right. And I strive to be pure and holy. But here's what I learned. All of us sin, no matter how hard we try. And if you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I don't, I don't really commit any bad sins. Here's what I want to say to you. If you and I put ourselves up to God as the standard, we sin every hour. It, because we're sinning. We're doing things we don't even know are sin. But you know what? 
He died for us and it's all being washed away and we're forgiven of every single thing we do. You know, the Bible says it's an abomination to talk bad about a brother or sister and to cause division. And I've done that my whole Christian life. And so it's like, uh, but you know, I remember years, I remember doing that when I didn't even know it was wrong. But God shows you as you grow, he shows you a little bit more. I kind of say he shines a flashlight on it and says, this is an area of your life you need to clean up, Joe. And I've always said, if he showed me everything I'm doing wrong all at once, I'd probably die of a heart attack, be in heaven really quick. Now, now guys, guys, you're forgiven everything. Here's our scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. I love that phrase. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. You know what God's saying to us? God is saying, guys, tell everybody you know. Share the good news. Jesus died for their sins. I'm not holding anybody accountable for their sins. And you and I can pray. We accept Christ as our Savior. He washes all those sins away. And here's what I've learned. If I can free myself of shame, if I can free myself of guilt, then I can follow Jesus with, with extreme, extreme prejudice. Just follow him with everything that I have because I'm not guilty and guilt's not weighing me down. Here's number two. You can rejoice over this. You're heir of everything. Isn't that pretty cool? You're an heir of everything. Galatians 4, 6, and 7. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your heart and the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, Listen to this. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, you, God has made you also an heir. And I love, I love that. Now, an heir is someone that receives an inheritance when, they're, when the parents die. If you're an heir of your parents, you receive an inheritance. Jesus died, God the Son, and we became heirs of God when we accepted him. And it's just the most amazing thing. So think about this. We're going to receive rewards for how we lived our life. So we'll have treasures in heaven according to our generosity. Um, we'll have all these rewards according to our volunteering and our following Christ and our serving Christ. So some people will have bigger mansions than others. And uh, heaven will be just a wonderful, wonderful rewards that we receive when we get up there. But there are certain things you get just because you accepted Jesus. That's what your inheritance is. And that's pretty exciting. So think about two things you and I received just because we said, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we accept you as our Savior. Um, you received eternal life. And you know what? You can't buy eternal life. You received that. That's a gift from God. It is yours. And when you die, guess where you go? When you die, you go to heaven. And heaven's part of your inheritance. You can't work for it. And you know what? Sometimes as we walk on this earth, doesn't it feel like we're walking through hell? Isn't this life like a mess sometimes? Isn't it full of challenges sometimes? And those times, one of the things we can rejoice over is we're heirs of God. And one day we're going to leave this stinky place. And we get to go to the best place ever created. It's called heaven. We have eternal life. We're going to live forever with God. That's absolutely exciting and all of us can rejoice over that here's number three it's pretty cool you can rejoice over this uh it goes like this you can survive everything i like that because life throws a lot at us but this life cannot defeat us guys now you know who wrote the verse i'm about to read the apostle paul i'm just going to read a couple things to you about his life second corinthians 11:24 talks about this paul said this 
He said, I received 39 lashes. He was beaten with a whip 39 times, five different times. Think about it. Five different times he was beaten 39 times because of persecution. People were persecuting him. He said this, I was beaten with rods three times. A rod would be equivalent to an aluminum bat today. Can you imagine someone beating you with an aluminum bat? That's going to cause broken bones and bruises. He said, I had that done to me three different times. He goes on to say, I was shipwrecked three times. And the enemy caused storms. And he says, I'm, I'm at sea and I'm just waiting to be rescued. Sharks are circling around him. That's the kind of life this guy had. He said, I was in danger from bandits, from the Jews, and from the Gentiles. This guy had a bad life. And when I think about the life that Paul lived, and I think about the fact that he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He understood rejoicing. And I think about what he went through. I look at my life, and I know we have legitimate problems, don't we? We have legitimate problems. Life throws us some crazy things in America, and we have relationship situations. Some of you are out there right now, you're hurting because of a relationship, a marriage problem. Some of you are hurting in financial ways. Some of you are hurting in, in, in struggles with sin, with fear, with oppression, with sickness. I know that's happening. Those are legitimate. But if Paul could walk through them and come out on the other side, if he could do it, I think every one of us in this room could do it. And here's what he wrote, Philippians 4.13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And before this, you know what Paul said? He said, I've been in tough times with nothing. I've been in great times. He said, I learned the secret. And what's the secret? God can give us strength and grace to walk through the toughest times. Now, for all of you that are in really tough times right now, listen, I'm not downgrading the tough time you're in. Here's what I'm encouraging you to do. I'm encouraging you, to, encouraging you to rejoice and thank God that he's the one that gives you strength. And he'll give you a grace that's supernatural, a strength that's supernatural, and he'll enable you to walk through that until you come out on the other side free. That's what our God does, and it's absolutely amazing. So instead of allowing the enemy to get you down, see God for what he's waiting to do. He's the one that wants to flood you with strength as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's the next point. Jesus helps us walk more triumphantly. And I think this is really, really important. Listen to Colossians chapter 2 and verses 14 and 15. And uh, they read this way. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So when you accept Jesus, all of your sins are just nailed to that cross. You're freed. Verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And this is an incredible, incredible verse. Historians tell us concerning this verse. They say it paints the picture of a king going into a foreign land, conquering that foreign land and its king, taking the king and parading him through his kingdom, humiliating him, taking him back to his kingdom, parading him around. And it's just talking about absolutely triumphing, defeating. To triumph means uh, defeating the enemy. The victory's already won. And Jesus defeated our enemy. And that's important. That's why the Bible tells us we're triumphant, because our enemy's already been beaten. So the devil, he reminds me of Roxy. And you may ask yourself, who's Roxy? I'm going to tell you about Roxy. Roxy was this Doberman pitcher. My wife, 
her, her and her twin sister, and then her younger sister and her mom, they, they had a Doberman Pinscher. So when I went up the first time to Chicago to be in Lori and Graham's wedding, they were married in July, and I went up there and I meet all of my wife's family for the first time, and I go into her house, guess what I see? I see this incredible Doberman Pinscher. Roxy was mean looking. And I loved that dog. And I remember walking that dog in downtown Chicago, right in Little Italy. And as I'm walking this dog, people are moving off the sidewalk. I never had anybody move off the sidewalk for me. But everybody's moving. Because this dog looked mean, crazy, big old Doberman and big teeth. And, uh, and so, but guess, guess what happened? Their house was robbed when no one was home. And you know what Roxy did? Roxy laid on a couch and the, the robbers petted her. Uh, and she let them rob them. They took everything out of the house. And Roxy's like, pet me, pet me, pet me. And <clears throat> I believe the devil's like Roxy. We think he has big teeth. We think he's bad. We're moving over on, off the sidewalk saying, we got to get out of the way of the devil. And Jesus is saying, I already whooped him. All you have to do is enforce what I've already done. And it's all about the fact we are triumphant. To be triumphant means you're more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror means God already won the victory. You're just enforcing what he's already done. And I want you to walk out of here today being excited about that. Do you know the Bible teaches that you have the voice of triumph actually inside of you? Check this out. It's actually on the inside of you. And I, I want to tell you a little bit of a story to set this up. Many of you have heard of Balaam. Balaam was a prophet in the Old Testament. And uh, Balaam uh, was literally a prophet of God. He would, whatever he would say would happen. And he wasn't a Jew, he wasn't Israeli, but he was one of God's prophets. And the Jewish people came out of Egypt, and they're growing bigger and stronger, and they're ready to take the promised land. So these Moabite kings were so nervous about them, they went to Balaam and they said, hey, whatever you say comes to pass, we'll give you tons of gold if you curse Israel. Just curse them. So Balaam said, well, I can only say what God puts in my mouth. And they said, just, just curse them. And he took, took their money, but he tried three times, and every time he went to curse them, God would give him these blessings. And I'll read one in a moment. But here's where Balaam made his mistake. Here's why he's spoken of so negatively in the Bible. After he couldn't curse them, he went to the Moabite kings and says, hey, uh, I'll take a lot more of that gold if, if, if I can tell you a secret. And I can tell you how to make these guys stumble. So Balaam said, listen, he said, take your top prostitutes, send them into their camp, have them seduce the Israeli men, and if they do that, they'll lose all their power, they'll be weak, and they won't be able to defeat you. And Balaam got them to do that. They did it, and God became so angry with Balaam. He did that for money. He revealed that secret. And I really think, I really think, you know when Jesus said, it would be better to tie a millstone around your neck and thrown into the sea than cause one of these little ones to stumble? I really think God's still upset about what Balaam did because Balaam taught them how to make the children of Israel stumble. So that's the setup. Let's take a look at him trying to curse Israel. Let's see what came out of his mouth. And this is true about every one of us in this room if we're Christians. And it goes like this, Numbers 23, 19. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed. 
and I cannot change it. Every time he tried to talk about Israel, blessings would come out of his mouth. And the Bible says we're blessed with their blessing. It goes on to say in verse 21, no misfortune is seen in Jacob, no misery observed in Israel. That was God's people now. Now God's added the Christians to these people. And, and he's saying, man, I created you guys to overcome. It goes on to say, the Lord their God is with them. And I love this part. The shout of the king is among them. You know what the shout of the king is, guys? A king who has a great army, he's confident. And he walks around with his army behind him, and he's so confident, he can look at an enemy and say, we're going to take you on and we're going to take you down. And God wants you to have that voice of triumph inside of you. Does it come from us? No, it comes from us knowing Jesus has defeated our enemy. So fear, oppression, whatever it is, sin, whatever the enemy brings at us, you guys have the power within you to shout it down. You have the power within you to overcome any area in your life. And I trust that that gives you some hope today, knowing that you are faithful, you are joyful. And I'm looking at the greatest group of triumphant people on the planet, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to do me a favor. Can we join in and can we give a little bit of the shout right now? Just give some thanks to God that the shout is in us, man. Oh, we thank you, Lord God. You're awesome. Thank you for how you made us. Thank you for how you made us. <clears throat> let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord, we love you with everything that's inside of us. Thank you for growing us today. Thank you, Lord God, for showing us truths in the Bible that never change. Lord, thank you for making us faithful, joyful, and triumphant. And Lord, I know there's hurting people here. I ask, cause the words I spoke today to come alive in their life this week. And Lord, next time we sing this song, Lord, let us never forget that you have made us faithful, joyful, and triumphant. We're not dependent upon circumstances. We have authority over our enemy. Thank you, Lord God, for what you've created us to be. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, just for a moment more. If you're here and you're not sure of your forever, I want to give you a chance to be sure of your forever. You know, the Bible teaches that whoever calls on his name, Jesus will save them. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a day in my life when I prayed and said to Jesus, I want to make it personal. I want to receive you as my Savior. I want to give you a chance to do that today. I'm not asking you if you go to church or you belong to a church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when from your heart you said, Jesus, I believe in you. I receive you as my Savior. If you can't, I want to give you that opportunity right now. I want you to say, Pastor Joe, I'm ready. I'm ready to pray. And if you pray and mean it from your heart, a miracle happens. So right now we're going to pray. Everyone in the room, would you help them pray? Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe. Today, I receive you as Savior. And I make a decision to follow you. Thank you for changing my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.